Well, now to domestic politics. The Republican debate stage is shrinking. Just four candidates vying for the GOP presidential nomination will face off tomorrow in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, Governor Ron DeSantis, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy all qualified for this debate, according to the Republican National Committee last night. The GOP frontrunner, Donald Trump, he will not attend, opting instead to attend a fundraiser for one of the super PACs supporting him. Meanwhile, warnings are mounting about the threat a second Trump presidential term will pose to American democracy. CNN senior data reporter Harry Anton, uh, you're joining us. That's always a good thing. Mm. It makes me happy on so many different levels because you explain things. And the thing we want to kind of start with here is this idea of Trump trying to change the narrative, right? He wants on Saturday talking about he's the one who's going to save democracy, not Joe Biden. That had been a big pitch of Biden's. Trump obviously attempted to perpetrate a coup in the United States of America. However, how do voters feel about this? Yeah, you know, they actually do believe that Donald Trump committed a serious crime, or at least believe there's credible evidence that, they, that he did. Look at this. This is a poll that was just a few months ago by PRRI. 58% of Americans believe that there's credible evidence that Donald Trump committed serious federal crimes. Just 37% of Americans disagree. So that message is breaking through that Donald Trump did something very, very unusual. More than that, a Trump re-election re poses a threat to our democracy and way of life. Again, the majority of Americans believe that this is true. They agree with the idea that Trump is a threat. This is a message we've heard from Democrats and Joe Biden over and over again. It does seem to be breaking through. Just 41% of Americans disagree. So all the reporting that's going out, all of the talks from Democrats, does seem to be having an impact. Here's the question, though, Phil. Donald Trump is trying to pull this reverse UNO card. Here we go. A Biden re-election poses a threat to our democracy or way of life. Look at this. A majority of Americans agree on this. What Donald Trump seems to be arguing does, in fact, seem to be working to some degree because 53% of Americans believe a Biden uh, re-election poses a threat to our democracy. And again, that's fairly similar to that 57% who believe a Trump re-election poses a threat to our democracy and way of life. Reverse UNO card, yeah. projection, gaslighting, all kind of the same on some level. Okay, how does that translate with favorability ratings for both? Yeah, I, I mean- This is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, a favorable view of Trump, 39%, that's actually slightly ahead of Joe Biden. Remember, elections are choices, and there's a bunch of voters who don't like either candidate. Phil, this is going to be the key group going forward because there's a lot of them. How voters who don't like Biden or Trump say they'll vote in 2024? Trump holds a 10-point lead on this amongst this group. This is the group we'll be paying attention to. Joe Biden's got to make it up. Otherwise, he'll continue to trail in the polls. Important point. Smart point. As always, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bobby? For more analysis, let's bring in Alyssa Farrah Griffin, CNN political commentator, former Trump White House communications director. Good morning. Good to have you. Just staying on the Biden beat for just one minute, this sort of pretty shocking new poll out of Harvard says Biden right now is under 50% with young voters. That's 18 to 29. He comes in at 48% of them saying that they would for sure vote for him. Trump said 33%, 19% are unsure. Biden had 60% of those voters in 2020. What is going on with young voters? Well, yeah, and millennials and Gen Z make up the biggest voting block in this country. Um, listen, I support Joe Biden on how he's been handling the war in Israel, but the vast majority of young voters simply do not. That's going to be a major factor that I think probably affects these most recent numbers. Um, and I think that there is a general generational concern about the fact that we're going to 
likely have two candidates squaring off who are near or are octogenarians. So there's a number of factors here, but that is something I don't think we should look away from is the foreign policy distinction that's incredibly mobilizing with young voters. To that point, you know, the thing, it's not just young voters. The, the, the entire Democratic coalition is soft right now. There has long been an assumption that, that they'll come back over the course of the next 11 months. When it becomes a binary choice, it becomes very clear. Do you think there's a risk that won't happen? I think it's a tremendous risk to assume that just because that it will be Donald Trump and therefore people will turn out for Joe Biden. He, he uses the line, you know, don't compare me to the almighty, but to the alternative. Here's the fact. Where we stand right now, Donald Trump will likely be the GOP nominee. This is a historically unfit person. This is somebody who's a former president, the only in history who's been denounced by former chiefs of staff, former secretaries of defense, former chairmen of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, former White House communications director, former White House press secretaries, and the list can go on. Yet he's very likely to be the nominee. There's only three ways to stop him. The primary season, which we're still in, the courts, which very likely may not convict before an election or the general election, and for, for Democrats who I think rightly have argued he's a threat to democracy, you're saying we're putting one guy as the backstop to stop Donald Trump. We're not engaging in a primary. We're not considering governors or a younger fighter. I worry that Democrats may be running into sort of a Ruth Bader Ginsburg moment or something where they put all their stock in somebody who's a, who, who they believe in but could end up losing to somebody so dangerous. To be fair, other than uh, Dean Phillips, Democrats aren't putting themselves out there. He's the one who's saying those things and saying more of us should be doing this and giving Biden a real primary. But can, can we talk about Nikki Haley? Really interesting to see her rise. Chris Christie, there's New York Times reporting that some Republican big donors have a message for Chris Christie, which is get out, and they're throwing their money behind people like Nikki Haley. And part of what's interesting to them is that she's willing to talk about real entitlement reform on Social Security and Medicare. Listen to her. The ones we change it for are those like my kids in their 20s coming into the system. We change retirement age to reflect life expectancy for them. We limit benefits on the wealthy. Instead of cost of living increases, we do increases based on inflation. And we expand Medicare Advantage plans, which seniors love that allow competition and reduce the cost of health care. Big money donors like Ken Langone here in New York, for example, saying, why do I need $3,500 a month? This has, to, this has to change. What's the political calculus? Because that was sort of a third rail untouchable. I think that Nikki Haley actually has the political nuance to be able to tackle something like entitlement reform and not fall into the trap that Democrats often set, which is, um, you're taking away entitlements. She's talking about reforming it for the future de generation. She's talking about its solvency 10 years from now, which is something that absolutely has to be addressed and we're all going to come to head with. I also think, listen, the reality of it, she now has the support of the Koch network. This has been a major priority. They're true fiscal conservatives for many years. Um, and I do think that this rate, this does resonate in places like New Hampshire and South Carolina where she has to do well. Uh, the debate, obviously Trump's not going to be on the stage, but the debate's been an, a, a Central accelerant to Nikki Haley's rise. Yeah. And I think that's undeniable. What do you expect on stage? Well, I think the fact that it's a shrinked stage and this is really narrowing it is going to give everyone more speaking time. It's going to give them a bit of time to go beyond just talking points in the fighting. I, just based on previous performances, would expect she'll be the winner of this debate, which her campaign is hoping is going to give her the momentum to rise to number two in Iowa and pull off a miracle in New Hampshire, then go to her home state of South Carolina. But to the point of Chris Christie, I'm hearing from more and more Republicans on, let's say, the more never-Trump side of things or who want a Trump alternative saying, we like what you did, but if this is truly about stopping Donald Trump in a different future for the GOP, you need to back Nikki Haley now.
Liz Cheney, interestingly, had said she wouldn't run it as a third party, but she did this interview around her new book with The Washington Post saying she will do whatever it takes to prevent Trump from running for office uh, and saying several years ago, I would not have contemplated a third party run, but now she may contemplate that. Can she be so sure that her third party run, if she does it, would help prevent a Trump presidency? Isn't that a gamble? Well, she certainly would not be... I think that her calculation would be that she would be taking votes from Donald Trump. I think there's always a concern that you may be taking soft Joe Biden voters. Yeah. Um, Nikki, or I'm sorry, Liz Cheney is not somebody who would do this lightly without data to show that she would only be able to help Joe Biden win the election um, if she were to do that. So I, I wouldn't get ahead of that decision yet.